I'm happy to have on the show today, Andrea Cry. She's the president and CEO of Core Renewable Energy. The power is in the plan. And we were just talking about the freedom that entrepreneurship has to let you do what you want and Andrea's experience with that. So can you share that with us? Thanks for having me on the show, Chad. So I think entrepreneurship is this gateway to so many opportunities when other doors close. And I think it's one of those tools to have in your toolbox or toolkit of skill sets in order to help you along your journey in life and in business and in your career. So so how has it helped you? So yeah, so one of the things I experienced early on in growing up was having a family member lose their job and then having them pivot to entrepreneurship. And so that was really eye-opening for me. And it got me really interested and probably ignited that bug of entrepreneurialism. And possibly because it was just already wired in me, I had that. And so even though I took a career path into engineering, a lot of times what I found myself doing was there wasn't really a space for it. It was either at the leading edge or the cutting edge of technology. And if I wasn't in an R&D space, something wasn't necessarily the, the most exciting thing for me. So what I always had going were different ideas, different ways to either launch a product, a business idea in engineering or outside. And so eventually this led to the creation of my company because I was taking a really academic path and then I wanted to commercialize technology and there wasn't really a space for it. And being at the forefront of renewable energy, even it's even decades into it now, it still feels we're at that leading edge of it. And so this really enabled me to have a place to do what I was really passionate at, what I was skilled at. And there aren't a lot of renewable, just purely renewable energy companies out there. And so I was able to create that. And entrepreneurialism, really entrepreneurship and being entrepreneurial, that enabled me to do that. And having those skills over years of failing, doing things and pivoting and trying different things really honed my skills to be able to launch a company and, and grow it in many different ways. So what were some of those failures that you learned from and brought into this next stage? Well, and some of those failures are not my failures, to be honest. There would be places where I'd be working in an industry and then something happened and that job or that position was no longer available. And sometimes it was just pure nasty people in industry, honestly closing doors when they see somebody successful and ambitious. And so what happens is that I always kept my business and my business skill set. And so those failures, like you asked, what specifically are there? Well, there are many. There's, that's a whole other episode. But it's whatever it is that shuts the door for you. I always say, have that experience to have your business in your back pocket. So if you ever need to go back to it, you can do that. And so I always encourage people to have a business and start it early on. And some like going back to what those failures are, honestly, one time I came in and one of my colleagues had passed away. Somebody else just decided that this job isn't going to exist anymore, probably budgeting or whatever. And those kind of things, when they compound, compound are very devastating. And you have a moment to sit there and go like, okay, rest, grieve, and then get up and move on. Get up and do something about it. And that's really where, you know, if you can believe in yourself and even if you don't have the skill sets yet for starting a business, is to try something that you're excited about and follow that path. And, and that leads to other opportunities. And other times those failures are simply that you need to pivot in a business. Some doors shut or personally, you just get tired and you want to move on and do different things. And so those are like little, I wouldn't necessarily call them failures, failures, but they're moments in life that 
redirect you into different paths. And so having a skill set in entrepreneurial businesses allows you to open any kind of direction you want to go in when one door closes. And so it's really that gateway. So is core renewables now your full focus or do you still have something else going? Well, it is really my full focus, but I, as an entrepreneur, always see other opportunities. And sometimes they thread through core and sometimes they don't. And sometimes they're volunteering kind of opportunities that you turn into things that might not generate revenue for you as per se a business, but they can help other people. So that still uses that entrepreneurial mindset, but core really is what we've got going on right now. And that's really in this time of energy transition where people need direction on what is the energy transition and how can I be a part of it? Or am I already by default a a part of it? What do I do? That's where we step in and we really help to help develop projects where you plan them out before just getting a chunk of money and building something that you have no clue on really what to do and looking back had no foresight on how you're going to integrate this long run. So what our company really focuses on is helping people put the power in the planning part of it so that you know today what you should be investing in next year, 5, 10, 15, 30 years down the way and when you may need to repower and say, okay, wait, the life of my wind turbines or my solar panels are coming up what should I be putting into my, my power plan? And so we do that, but we also integrate it into a microgrid setup so that people can now start to generate and also be autonomous and self-sufficient. So building resiliency into our grids and then also into communities and deploying those into smart cities and so on and so forth. And talking about investing in the future, where are you seeing like the main focus over the next few years? We're really seeing an energy transition happen in the mobility sector. That's coming a lot faster than I think many people realize. We're seeing fleets of vehicles start to transition, particularly in Canada, where I am. There's a big push to electrify fleets of vehicles across Canada. There's funding for it. There's motivation for it. We're also seeing a huge need in remote communities to transition, to get off one diesel. We have diesel communities in Canada. Unfortunately, some are being declined access to funding, even though they need to be transitioning, which is very concerning, knowing how bad that is. So we need to do better in policy, but also we need to see how to integrate this on the urban scale. So what are we doing in our communities? That's going to come slowly and feed through, but we're really going to see it more where there's a need. And in some jurisdictions, There's going to be a holdback because some jurisdictions think that they're very renewable, even though they may be with like large hydro, which technically doesn't fall into being that environmentally friendly for various reasons. We need to see diversity and and more opportunities, not only in the technology, but in who's allowed to play in that game, be it communities, local people. We need to see the change that enables people to be educated to make those decisions. So It's really massive across the scales of where this needs to happen. And also, like I mentioned, in the education, not only of the general public, but in the school systems, we're starting to see more of that filter through. So as this transition happens, it's going to happen quite widely across. But like I mentioned, mobility and remote communities, but also in jurisdictions that have that pressing need to really transition. Along the lines of education, I've been hearing a lot of a lack of the people necessary to do this work. So mechanics, you know, wind turbine technicians, things like that. So what do you think we need to do to start addressing that problem? Yeah, it's great that you mentioned that. So right now I'm actually on a committee that 
uh, is developing a certification for small, not just small, but wind turbines in general, because there are people who are on the job trained, but there isn't sort of an overall skilled certification program. And we're trying to help enable that so that there is better education across the skilled trades. We need to have more people be informed about these opportunities so that they can see how they could fit into this really exciting and dynamic sector of the industry. And so we have needs not only for solar technicians, we have needs for wind technicians, for basically electricians and integrators at all levels. But significantly, we need to help women get into this workforce. The statistics in Canada are very disturbing. <laughs> we do not have enough women in the electricity workforce. 15% of women are directors in this sector. And that's very, it's not significant enough. So we're trying to have more diversity and inclusivity. And that's not just for women. It's everybody that is not well represented. We need to do better at EDI, at equity, inclusivity, diversity. All of these things are key to ensuring that the sector is representative of who is actually serving and that it's designed by those who it will serve because it does not help anyone if we have a small group of people designing and speaking on behalf of what the actual population looks like. So we have to do better on that as well, for sure. And if you want job stability, energy is not going anywhere. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's it's true. It's, it's just going to grow. And I think that the more people realize how urgent that need is and how pressing it is before us, they will start to become more interested naturally in it. But there are some paradigms that need to shift. And there's obviously lobbying groups that lobby against those things. And, and it doesn't help anyone, really. Like, it's you will be left behind. So it's important to look forward and to have some vision and to follow the people who inspire you and that you want to be mentored by to help you make that transition because you don't want to be left behind in the dinosaur age, right? <laughs> Do you, you mentioned mentors. Do you have a few people that help mentor you along the way? Absolutely. I couldn't do this without some really, really supportive, actually men. <laughs> um, being an early, being a woman early into this career sector, there were a lot of people who supported me, men and women, but because it was such a predominantly focused industry with men in it, I've had some phenomenal mentors in this field who are internationally well-known as well as, as, you know, nationally here in Canada that really helps to enable opportunities for me that I could be at the forefront and I could follow what I was good at doing. And I think it's really important to mentor and to be a role model. And that's why I really like to see more people offering role modeling in, in these areas because sometimes if you can't see yourself, it's really hard to believe that you can do it. And unless you just have maybe that, that ambition or that vision that you're going to do this or you're just following what you love regardless, it's hard to get there. So it's really, really important, like I, coming back to EDI, to have people on all levels role model and mentor as we transition. So we hopefully have a more diverse and equitable and energy sector. How have you found your mentors over the years? How? I think part of it was luck. Definitely, definitely luck because of who they were and where they were positioned and how our paths crossed. So sometimes it was through education, sometimes it was through internships, and sometimes it was through jobs. Other times, I, can, I do have some horror stories, too, of being put with people that were not good fits. And it's really important, and this comes back to like failing to succeed, 
is knowing to fail fast. Like if you're, and it's not necessarily a failure to walk away. Breaking up is not a failure. It's just a redirection. And I think that's what's really important is that you have people who you recognize are for some reason unauthentic or dangerous for you that you have to get away from and you have to change. It's really critical in order to protect yourself moving forward. So that comes down to having some wisdom and experience over time, but also having really good people around you to say, hey, you know what? And this involves friends, families, and other mentors. Maybe that's not a good fit. You don't look healthy right now. What's going on? That kind of stuff. And and really to find to find the right people to be surrounded by. And when it comes back to mentors, they're not just necessarily an industry. A lot of women have helped me as well in business to know that when I have had a challenge where I, I could tell you, you want a good failure story. I'll give you a good one. I was just thinking back to this. I was at a table, a boardroom, where I was the only woman in the room and we were evaluating a project. And one of the young male engineers did not, not from my company, from another company, did not do his homework. And he was at the table and he was asked a question, what was the answer to this? And he didn't have it. And everybody turned to look at me and say, well, what's the answer? It's your fault. And I was just shocked thinking like, how is this even happening? I'm the CEO of my company. Do not talk to me that way, first of all. Second of all, it's not my responsibility. And third of all, this is, this is just not good. So that project ended up dying because of the way people behaved in that moment, in that table. It was just like a failure of relationships and we all walked away. And from that moment, what happened was I said, I don't know what I'm going to do about this, but something needs to be done because as a woman, I can't be my only voice at the table. And so I sat with that for a few months. And a couple months later, it came to me that I needed to have my own podcast. And I ended up calling it Sem Power. It's still available and it's still running. It's been several years now. And it was to bring the voice of women in business to the table and to learn from one another so that we could keep learning how, what, from, from like not reinventing the wheel. What have they done to succeed? What were their failures? What are their inspirations? And so from that horrible, horrible failure came this beautiful blossom, blossoming of another venture, really. And that was creating the FemPower podcast and having stories of this happen. And that, that in itself taught me so much about business, but also connected me with good people that became my mentors, that's, that saw my struggle, that saw my victories that encouraged me along the way, and that continue to this day to be not only great mentors, great friends, and inspirations. So that's kind of like that full so circle of how do you find your mentors and, and a failure story is that really surround yourself by good people, people that you are inspired by and people that you want to learn from and, and give. Give more than you ask to receive, for sure. Always give more. And then and see what happens. So, Yeah, it's great that such a positive result ended up happening from what at the time was not a great experience <laughs> that they go through. Absolutely. So Andrea, if our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or your company, how could they do so? Absolutely. So our website is coreenergy.ca. So that's C-O-R-Energy.ca. You can find us, our business there and connect on that level. If you want to find me, I'm on LinkedIn as Andrea Cry or Dr. Andrea Cry. I'm not quite sure what comes up, but you'd find me. And then on Instagram, it's at dr.andreacry, I believe is the, is my handle. So 
Well, thank you, Andrea, for being on the show. And thank you, everybody, for listening to another episode of Failing to Success. Make sure to subscribe. I'm your host, Chad Kalecki, and we'll see you next time. Mm-hmm.